How many of y'all tonight could raise your hand and honestly say, I can tell you by experience that I have found a faithful friend. Amen. That friend is Jesus tonight. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate the presence of God. We're definitely going to have a prayer meeting Saturday night at 7.30. Any men and boys that would like to come or uh, I'll tell you anybody that would like to come. I don't think I'm going to put a stipulation on it. If any of you women want to come, you're welcome to come pray with us. And uh, we'll just meet down here and pray. And you don't have to come. I don't want you to come out of obligation to this. There's some things I want you to come out of obligation. Amen. Church being one of them. Uh, Jubilee being another one. Even if somebody didn't want to come, I still want you to come. If you come because I put a big guilt trip on you, that's good enough for me. Amen. Just so you come. Amen. Even if you're mad, I want you to come and sit way back in the back. And just come on singing the choir, but after that, go sit way in the back away from me if you're mad. But I still want you here because we want you here. Amen. But uh, this prayer meeting is something that I, I don't even know why. Uh, if there's something you need to go do, then go do that. Uh, don't feel any obligation. But anybody that wants to be here Saturday at 730, we'll just meet and pray, okay? Uh, Daniel chapter 4, if you'll stand with us t- tonight for a few moments, we'll read uh, some selective verses and then preach what God has laid on our heart. I've tried to go other directions. I've been studying out of about five different books of the Bible, but uh, for some reason, I just uh, this book Daniel has been uh, for this time and this this season. God just keeps bringing my uh, studies back here. So Daniel chapter four, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible said, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Then I want you to look in verse number 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto the heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and He doth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Notice this one word in verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, All whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Father, I want to thank you for the word of God tonight. Thank you for this great day you've blessed us with, for the family of God. Lord, I want to thank you for every member of this church and just the opportunity to celebrate this day together. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Most of all, we want to honor you, but speak to hearts and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning or this evening. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on God save the king. God save the king. 
You know, when you go through the book of Daniel and you come to chapters 1, 2, and 3, Nebuchadnezzar is nothing more than a pagan king that would not honor God for anything. He has brought the captivity out of Jerusalem. He has taken them to Babylon. And now uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with many, many others, uh, are living in Babylon. And it seems like that Nebuchadnezzar does everything in his power to not only dishonor God himself, but to get those Jews to dishonor God as well. And when you come to chapter number four here, this is a Babylonian state document that Nebuchadnezzar himself has written from verse number one all the way down to verse number 37. And in this chapter here, Nebuchadnezzar does three things in this document that he gives. Of course, we know it is the word of God, but his reasons for writing this one was to record his confession of his sin. It is very clear that when you read the fourth chapter here in its entirety that you see that Nebuchadnezzar is confessing his ways and he is confessing his faults and his sins that he has committed, the sin of pride and the uh, the sin of dishonoring God. All of that is in his personal testimony that he gives uh, in this chapter. Another reason that Nebuchadnezzar wrote this uh, document was to give an explanation of his insanity. He wants everyone in Babylon to know that what had happened to him was not just a state of mind or a slip of the mind. It wasn't something uh, just chemical or something medical that happened, but it was an act of Almighty God that had been committed against him. And that's very clear in his testimony. So he writes about concerning the confession of sin and explanation of his insanity. But then it is a conversion of his service of the Most High God. It's amazing that when you begin to read this uh, uh, text, and if you go from verse number one all the way to verse number 37, there's five things that you'll see about Nebuchadnezzar that I want to give you tonight concerning this matter of God save the king. I read many commentaries on this chapter and many believe that Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Some were not sure if he got saved. But I'll tell you when you read the text, uh, it's very easy to see that God no doubt changed the heart of this king. Now, you say, preacher, will Nebuchadnezzar be in heaven? I don't know. I'll have to get there to find out. But I can tell you this, uh, if you look at the first thing that I want to draw your attention to tonight, and that is Nebuchadnezzar's proclamation, you see in verse number one, down to verse number three, that Nebuchadnezzar begins this document by proclaiming the Lord and how great he is. Amen? Now listen, I'm headed somewhere tonight, just please stay with me. I want you to see in Nebuchadnezzar's proclamation here, that in verse number one there is a spiritual greeting. Notice what he said. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Do you know who that sounds like in the New Testament? It sounds like a Pauline epistle, doesn't it? Amen. And the further you go in these first uh, uh, three verses here, it not only sounds like a Pauline epistle, it sounds like a psalm of David in verse number three. As he said, how great are his signs, how wonder or how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his, his dominion is from generation to generation. So Nebuchadnezzar, immediately after he regains his, uh, uh, his mental state and after seven years of insanity and living like a wild 
wild beast, uh, he begins to write this chapter here and Daniel recorded it and put it down. And Nebuchadnezzar begins this chapter by not proclaiming himself, by not magnifying himself, but he magnified God. Amen. I want to tell you, wouldn't it be wonderful if God saved the king of America, if he saved our president? I thank God for our president. I'm praying for our president. And one of the things that I'm asking God to do is to save our president. Amen. Uh, Listen, I believe God has placed him where he's at for such a time as this. uh, And we are certainly better off uh, had we had the alternative. Amen. But what this chapter proves tonight is that no one has gone too far that what God can't change their heart and that what God can't bring them down and that what God can't turn them around. Amen. And friend, the truth of the matter is uh, in Daniel's day, if God could save the uh, the king, uh, then that means God could save anybody. Amen. And I'll tell you greatly, the possibility is here. As we see a spiritual greeting in verse number one, we see a sincere goal in verse number two. As he said, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. You see, this is amazing. That Nebuchadnezzar in this document that he would give living the last year of his life, uh, my friend, one year after he he regained his sanity, uh, he died. So he reigned one final year. And it's amazing that in that last year that Nebuchadnezzar did not spend that last year bragging on on Nebuchadnezzar or praising Babylon but he spent that last year on bragging on God and singing the praises of heaven. Amen. I'm telling you that ought to be the proclamation of every child of God. Amen. When you leave this building tonight and you step out into this world my friend the world is looking at every one of us and every one of us tonight ought to not sing the praises of ourselves but we ought to sing the praises of the God that we serve. Amen. In other words, people ought to hear more of us talk about God rather than just when we talk about church. God ought to be woven in our vocabulary on an everyday basis. Spirituality ought not be something that we put on and that we take off, but it ought to just be an automatic way of living in our life. And Nebuchadnezzar has a sincere goal, and that is that we would see the signs and the wonders of the high God that had wrought toward him. And then I see here a spiritual gladness. As he said, how great are thy signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. You know what Nebuchadnezzar is doing tonight? He is magnifying God. And my friend, when we go to church, we ought to go to church with the intent that we're going to magnify God, that we're going to lift up his name. As we mentioned this morning, he is worthy to be praised. Isn't that right? God's been better to us than what we deserve. He's done far more than what we ever expected. And I say shame on me and shame on you if we sit quietly in church and let the preacher preach and the singers sing and the teachers teach and never raise a hand toward heaven or never say amen man or never even smile and say you know what you're right amen I'm telling you thank God we ought to be proclaiming the same God that Nebuchadnezzar is claiming proclaiming in these verses here I see his proclamation I see not only that but in verses 4 down to verse number 18 I see Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony now tonight time would not allow us to go through all these verses and so for the sake of time I just want to mention his personal testimony Notice what he said in verse number four. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. 
And he said, I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my bed and the vision of my head, they troubled me, he said. Therefore made I decree, uh, a decree to bring in all the wise of Babylon before me and that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told them before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom the spirits of the holy gods, and you got to remember as he's using that phrase, holy gods. Uh, he's talking in the past tense uh, as a pagan god that de- or as a pagan king that did not know God. He said and before him I told the dream saying O Belteshazzar master of the magicians because I know that the spirit of the holy gods again he does not know God is in thee and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of my head in my bed. He said I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great. He said the tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached unto the heavens and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair and the fruit thereof uh, was much and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof and all flesh was fed of it. But this is what he said. He said I saw in the vision of my head upon my bed and behold a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven he cried aloud and thus said hew down the tree and cut off his branches shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit lest the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from his branches nevertheless leave the stump of his root in the earth even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field and let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth let his heart be changed from man's and let a beast heart be given unto him and let seven times pass uh, over him. You say preacher what does all this mean? Well it's Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony and he talks about the time uh, when he had that dream that so troubled him and kept him awake in the night that he brought in all those astrologers and soothsayers and Chaldeans uh, but they was of none of help uh, because they served the gods of Babylon and they did not serve the god Jehovah. But you know what Daniel proved to Nebuchadnezzar? He proved to be his preacher man. That whenever he needed a real message from God, there was only one that could deliver it. Amen. And I want to tell you, Daniel comes in and he tells him that dream and he interprets that dream. Can I just stop and say this tonight? Thank God for preachers that will preach the truth to our souls tonight. I see his personal testimony. He's troubled about what he sees spiritually. You know, that's what we need tonight. We need people to get troubled spiritually again. We need saved people to get troubled spiritually and we need lost people to get troubled spiritually. Every one of us tonight ought to be troubled spiritually. I don't, I don't mean we ought to be discouraged and walk around disappointed and have the mully grubs, but we ought to have a burden at all times. Amen. We ought to have a burden for our family members going to hell. We ought to have a burden for the people we work with. We ought to have a burden for our neighbor down the road. You say, preacher, I want a burden. How do I get a burden? Fall on your knees and start calling their name out in prayer and if you don't get a burden then stop and say oh God give me a burden for that individual I promise you tonight if you'll do that then God will give you a burden amen
And so I see his personal testimony. I see his proclamation. But I see in verse number 19, on down here to verse number 27, I see Daniel's preacher, man. And, or Nebuchadnezzar's preacher, man, Daniel. And what Daniel does in these verses here, he is astonished in verse number 19. He is amazed at what he sees and hears or what he hears. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour and his thoughts troubled him. Can you imagine Daniel is standing there and the king uh, delivers this vision, this dream that he sees. And as Daniel is standing there and as he is listening no doubt God is working this in his heart and revealing this to him. And Daniel is astonished. He is amazed at what he sees. And for one hour, he just stands there. He's thinking about everything that has been said. He's troubled. You know, sometimes a man of God will get troubled at what he sees and hears. And I'm not necessarily talking from this, from this point of view, but sometimes God will put a message on a man's heart and it will trouble him. How there are times when we preach like tonight, I believe all the Word of God will help us and, and we preach the Bible because we know that it is true and it is right. And then there are those specific times when maybe God will wake you up in the middle of the night or you'll be going along your way and God will touch your heart and He'll put such a burden on you. There's times I've came to church that, uh, listen, I just felt like I was about to bust. Uh, there was something on the inside that needed to be said, that needed to be preached uh, and you just knew that God was wanting to do something specific in somebody's life. Daniel had proven to Nebuchadnezzar to be a faithful preacher. That no matter how bad or how good the story was, he would always tell the truth. And in this situation... He asked him, he said, tell me, Daniel Belteshazzar, what, what is the interpretation of the dream? And Daniel begins to talk about this tree and its greatness and its leaves and all that, that it is and all that it does. But notice verse 22. He said, it is thou, O king, that are grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto the heavens and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher, which is an angel, and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew down and destroy it. Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth. Even with a band of iron and brass and tender uh, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, let, let, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. Well, Daniel has to deliver a message, Brother Lamar, that is not really want the king, what the king wants to hear. Can I tell you, preaching isn't always easy. I don't think it's ever really easy. But sometimes they're more enjoyable than what others are. The reason we're in so much trouble today is because preachers a lot of times want to find sermons that uh, seem to fit everybody and seem to offend nobody. Now listen, I don't want to make anybody mad. You know that tonight. But I just believe that if you love people, you're to preach the whole council. Amen? And you've got to be honest. And sometimes it's not, it's not easy to be honest. But honesty is always the best policy because it's the policy that God uses. And it's the the only way to really get help. Amen. A man of God that is worth his salt will preach the truth and he'll preach it without the fear in favor of man but the end goal is to glorify God and to always preach it in a manner that will bring a, a restoration to those that will listen and obey the truth. 
In other words, you may have to preach mean sometimes, but you don't want to. There's no joy in that. There's sometimes I preach sermons, I just assume somebody get a hickory and whip me as me have to preach it. There's no joy in that, is there? Bible preaching, there's joy, but preaching, uh, listening, dealing with issues is no joy, but, but it has to be done. And I want to just be the first to raise my hand tonight and say, Brother Casey, I thank God for the times uh, that preachers have preached messages that have rebuked me and reproved me and have put me in my place and has reminded me that I need to repent and I need to get right with God. Thank God for me uh, that got along with the Lord and got a message uh, and they didn't care that I was sitting there. They just preached what God laid on their heart and it was through that preaching I found my place on an altar and I did business with God and I'm still afloat tonight as a result of somebody that would just tell me the truth amen well, don't you want to hear the truth? Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care if it comforts me or cuts me. I just want to hear the truth. Sometimes you got to feel bad before you can feel good anyway. Amen. We're living in a day when preachers want to just say those smooth sayings, but Daniel stood before him and as Nathan stood before David and said, Thou art the man. He was faithful to preach to that king. And here Daniel standing before Nebuchadnezzar and he said, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to tell you, that big old tree standing and flourishing with all that fruit and all them animals under it and everybody eating off of it, that's you. Boy, no doubt he loved that. Amen. And thought, man, that is wonderful. That was the good part. But then he said, I want to tell you something. God sent an angel down, a watcher, a holy one. Boy, I thank God for watchers, don't you? And he said, God sent that watcher down. He sent that holy one down and he cut that tree down to the ground. I ask you a question tonight. You ever had God just cut you down? You ever had God take that book and just level you? Here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's standing tall and he's standing proud. And Daniel said, that watcher, he come down and he leveled you with that spiritual eye and he brought you down. But he covered that stump with iron and with, with metal and let the dew fall on it. And he told him the interpretation of that was that for seven years, God was going to take the heart of a man, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, and give him the heart of a beast. And for seven years, you're going to live in the field. And he said, you're going to eat grass like an ox. And he said, you're going to have hair. He said, it's going to grow uh, like, a, like eagle's feathers. And you're going to have nails. It's going to look like bird's claws. And you're going to lose your mind for seven years. Can you imagine that? And I see his preacher, man, I see his proclamation, but I also see Nebuchadnezzar's pride and punishment. In verse number 28, notice the Bible says, and this came upon, all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. Now watch this, verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spake and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the, of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? You know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? The very same thing that happens to people in church so many times. 
The man of God preaches, he tells the truth, he's faithful. He tells them what God said, both the good and the bad. And if Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel said it himself in verse 27, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility, he said, if you'll repent and hear the message, you can get right with God and you can have mercy. But you know what happened? The Bible said in verse 29 that 12 months passed and as time began to pass, Guess what? Nebuchadnezzar no longer feared that message anymore. Nebuchadnezzar forgot about that dream. And like a lot of people, just because God, you see, God don't pay on Friday, but he always pays for him. And the wheels of God's judgment, you've heard it said many times, they may turn slow, but they surely turn as we're sitting here tonight. And nobody gets by with sin. Nobody gets by with pride. Nobody gets by. Hey, young people, you hear me tonight? You may sow your wild oats, and I pray to God you never do. But if you get out there and sow your wild oats in your teenage years. You can mark it down. There is coming a harvest time. You will reap what you sow. Everything may, you may go to an altar and repent and get right and you may think, man, everything's just going fine. But listen, my friend, there is coming a day when the chickens are coming home to roost, friend, and they come in numbers when they come. It ain't one little chicken at a time, is it? I'm telling you, friend, if you sowed to the wind, the Bible says, you reap a whirlwind. I don't want to put fear in all of us tonight. I don't want to live in sin, do you? I don't want to get away from God. There's a high price to pay for low living tonight. Nebuchadnezzar walked in that palace and saw the beauty of that palace and saw the power of his own mind and saw what he had. And rather than give honor to God, he gave honor to his own self 12 months after he had been told the truth. And notice verse number 31, that while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make thee to eat grass as an ox and seven times shall pass over thee talking about seven years uh, until thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will you are to underline that God gives the kingdom to whomsoever he will tonight that means that you and I can cast the vote and we should but the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Brother, I'm telling you, if last year proved anything, it proves this. God gives the kingdom to whoever he wants to. It don't matter what the media says. It don't matter what anybody else said. Can I get a witness right there tonight? And I see the pride and the punishment that the Bible says in verse 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. You see, when a man allows pride to rule him and he begins to put confidence in himself, if God wants to, he knows how to make a fool out of him. God made him a laughing stock for seven years for the world to see. Oh, tonight, I do not want God to deal with me in that manner. Brother, I'm telling you tonight, somebody said it in the prayer room, and I thought while they were testifying, I thought to myself how God just puts things together. There's an element of pride in the heart of every one of us tonight. And I tell you what I want to do with it, I want to keep it squished out of my life. I want to remind myself every day that God don't need me, but I sure need God. 
I want to remind myself every day that it wasn't me that got myself out of bed, that I haven't accomplished anything, that if there's any good in my life, it's the God of heaven that did it, and I sure don't deserve anything apart from a place in hell tonight. But I'm telling you, I'm so glad for his mercy. I'm so glad for his grace. I'm thankful for that his love is an everlasting love because I see Nebuchadnezzar's proclamation. I see my friend, his personal testimony. I see his preacher man. I see here his pride and his punishment. I'll tell you how this story ends in verse number 34 down through verse number 37. It ends with his pardon and with his praise. Amen. I'm glad there's another part of this story. Amen. Like old Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. Amen. And what the rest of the story is, is in verse number 34 at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up my eyes unto the heavens and my understanding returned unto me. Look what he did. He said, and I bless the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation. I'm going to tell you I can see him out there in a field. I'm telling you his hair looks like a beast. His claws look like a bird. I mean he looks like an eagle's feathers. I'm telling you listen God for seven years has made a laughing stock of this man that thought nobody could bring him down but all of a sudden my friend a man that did not have his understanding and had the heart of a beast. God brought it back. God gave his sanity back. And the first thing he did in his right mind was he looked up toward the heaven and said, I want to bless the name of the one that has given me life and given me something worth living for. I want to tell you tonight, in all that we are and all that we have, we owe it to him tonight. I'll tell you, I encourage you tonight, church, Don't lose your fire worship. Don't get to the place where you just sit in church. And I'm not saying you got to act like me and I got to act like you, but I'm telling you, friend, listen, when you sing, you're to sing with all your heart. And when you testify, you're to be sincere and testify with all your heart. And I'm telling you, when the truth is being preached, uh, you should raise your hand every now and then. You say, preacher, are you getting on me? No, I'm just telling you, listen, there's two-thirds of the world that's never even seen one of these tonight. And we're sitting, we've sat in church uh, and we've heard it all day long. That ought to be enough for every one of us. Uh, every time we go to the house of God and it's opened, uh, we ought to get plumb beside ourselves uh, and say, dear God, thank you. Uh, you let me be born in America. You allowed me to hear the gospel. You let me be born in the south and I'm under the preaching of the word of God. Hallelujah. I've seen a lot of people come and go and this wasn't for them and that's fine, amen. But I'm telling you, I'm glad there's still a place on the side of the road. We may not be much. We may not be much to this world, but I'm glad there's still a place on the side of the road where the man is still falling from heaven, where God's are still moving and his spirit is still flowing and people are still, oh, I feel God. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm glad it's real. Praise God. Woo. I can't help it, amen. You may say, preacher, y'all don't act like hell. I just can't help it, amen. I don't want to help it, brother Laddie. That book, it'll help you. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank God for the Bible. Young people, I'm telling you, give your whole life to God and serve Him. Get full of the Scriptures, amen. And you'll come to church and it'll break out on you every now and then. You just won't be able to help it. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because here's a king out in the middle of a field. You got one king praising another king. Amen. 
You got a pagan king praising the eternal king. Nebuchadnezzar looks like a mess, but he don't care. He's in his right mind, Brother Jack. He don't care what nobody thinks about him. He don't care what the kingdom thinks. Everything that could be said has already been said about him. So he thinks he looks up toward heaven and for the first time in seven years, uh, he knows who he is. Uh, He's not a wild beast. He's not a wild animal anymore. He can stand up and walk uprightly and think for himself. Uh, He said, oh dear God, thank you. I bless you and I magnify you and I praise you. Hey friend, you gotta get past yourself uh, and you gotta get past what other people think if you're ever going to magnify the Lord. Amen. Oh, listen. And I don't know. I, I read this with great skepticism. But when I read it and I read it and I read it and I read it. All this week I've read this fourth chapter. And every time I keep coming to this conclusion, I, I, I don't know where Nebuchadnezzar is. But I kindly think, Brother Caleb, I might see him again. Because you say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, look at verse number 37. He said, now, right now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride, he's able to abase. That sounds like a humble man to me. That sounds like a man that's walking off the pages of the scripture in verse 37 and he ain't talking about himself. He's talking about God. One of the things I saw in this chapter this week, Brother Laddie, is that when he gave his personal testimony before he got his sanity back, when he talked about Daniel and the Spirit of God's multiple and little g and little s. But I'm going to tell you, friend, when you come to verse number 34, I challenge you tonight to read verse 34 down to verse 37, what you will not find in those verses is that Nebuchadnezzar never again praises multiple gods. That when he begins to lift up the name, it's only one God. And it's in capital letters and it is the God. And when he talks about the king, it's in a capital letter. Just one king. Nebuchadnezzar, if he learned anything, seven years, acting like an animal, He learned that there is a God in heaven, as Daniel said in chapter number 3. And Nebuchadnezzar walks off the pages of these scriptures, magnifying the God that had created him and made him. He's never seen again on this side. God save the king tonight. I want to ask you a question. If God, and we know he can, if God could save this man, Don't you think God could save our president tonight? I believe that Nebuchadnezzar had one of the most faithful witnesses that a man could ever have standing before him. You know what's so great about this tonight, young people? The people that God used to shake the foundation of Babylon, the superpower of its day, was not middle age, it was not elderly, Young people. It's a few boys that said, We may be living in Babylon, but Babylon's not living in us. They had been under a pre captivity revival 
under that young king, Josiah, who was only eight years old when he took the throne. They had heard the preaching of Jeremiah. And they said, we may be in Babylon, but Babylon will never be in us. And I'm going to tell you what the king witnessed. He witnessed some teenagers, some young men that said, we'll stand when mom and dad's not around. We'll stand when the preacher can't be found. We'll stand when the fire's been turned up. We'll stand when others around us will not stand. It was a great witness and testimony to a pagan king. And you know, tonight, if God can save the king, I'm going to tell you something about church, and this is the message in one sentence tonight. God can save anybody in my family and anybody in yours. You know what I'd like to leave the church tonight with? A burden. A genuine, sincere burden for somebody that needs to be saved tonight. Maybe there's somebody on your prayer list you've been praying for. Has the devil come to you and said, they're never going to get saved? I've prayed for people and the devil would say, well, do you not know how old they are? And they're going to die soon. If they, they're not going to get saved. They've been this way too long. Has he ever told you anything like that? Well, he's a liar. As long as there's breath, there's hope. Here's a man walking through a palace that ain't nobody greater than me, no more powerful than me. God said, I'll put you in a field for seven years and I'll show you the power of God. When God brought him to himself, the only thing he could do was look up and see God. Do you know how powerful God is tonight? He could take that family member you've been praying for that, it, that won't even listen to anything you've got to say about God. You know what God could do tonight? He could put them in a place he could put them in a situation. I don't pray that. But God is so powerful. Yes. He could box them in where the only thing they could do is look up. I knew a man like that one time. And I remember the Saturday morning he pulled up in his pickup truck on a Saturday morning. He got out of the truck and he walked up the sidewalk and my daddy was sitting on the front porch. And he's one of the biggest drunks I ever met in my life. In fact... Until that day, i never seen the man sober. I could take you to his house, a little duplex apartment tonight that he lived in, and every time me and my dad would go to that house, daddy went over there for one reason, it was just a drink. He'd take me and my brother over there, and, and, and I'm not proud of this by no means. But I, we, we'd go over there, that little duplex, and every time he'd open the door, you know what? He'd be sitting right there, to, there's a kitchen table, he'd be sitting right there, and he had a big old bag a blue ribbon beer just full of cans, a big old black trash bag because he sat there and that's all he did. When he got through drinking that and Brother David, he'd reach over and open that fridge and never even get out of that chair and he'd pull another, pull another one out. I'm going to tell you something. He pulled up one Saturday morning. I was out there cutting the grass and he walked up there and I seen him and my dad talking and I watched him. I was looking over there and I saw him go to weep, crying. I thought to myself, Lord, it's 9.30 and Frankie's already drunk. But he wasn't drunk as I supposed him. I tell you what happened. He flipped that truck in a drunk, drunken stupor one night and he laid on his back for 27 days. He stood there witnessing my daddy. He said, Rick, he said, I laid in that hospital bed for 27 days. He's a crying. He said, I thought I was going to die. He didn't know how to get saved. 
He didn't know anything about being saved. He said, I laid on that bed and I said, God, if you'll just let me live and get out of this bed. He said, I'll go to church Sunday and I'll get saved. And I'm going to tell you, he got out of the hospital and he went to church and that Sunday morning, when the invitation was given, Frankie come down the aisle and got saved. Hallelujah. Bunch of women went back to Marcel, his wife, and tried to get her to come to the altar. His little all-millennial foot-washing church. And she said, I'm not getting saved. She said, she said, I don't even believe that. Said he's been telling me that. She said, but he said, he he don't mean that. Frankie said, Rick, he's telling my dad this. He said, I went home and he said, I went to the refrigerator. He said, I got all that beer out. And he said, I started pouring it down the sink. He said, the devil told me. He said, what are you going to do? He said, you know you're going to drink. You're going to want beer after this. You pouring all this beer out, and you're going to go right back to it. That's what the devil said. He said, I poured every one of them out. He said, while I was pouring that beer out, so the devil said, you know, you got a bunch of pot back there in the back of the house, and you're going to want that pot. I don't recommend this, but he went outside and burned every bit of it. <laughs> Probably the whole neighborhood felt great for a week. <laughs> he said, I burn every bit of that pot. He said, I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, because I, I know I'm going to want to drink. And I know I'm going to want to smoke pot. And God said, this is what he said, God said. Go buy you a bunch of Pepsi Colas and Butterfinger candy bars. That's what he said God said. He said, and I went down there and he said, I bought just 12 packs of Pepsi Colas and Butterfingers. He said, and the Lord said, every time you want to smoke a joint, he said, don't roll a joint. He said, eat a Butterfinger. <laughs> he said, and every time you want to drink a blue ribbon beer, he said, get you a Pepsi Cola. <laughs> he believe that? He told him, he, said, he told my daddy, he said, Rick, he said, God changed my life. He said, I'm just going back to all my drinking buddies. And I'm just telling them I'm different. And I'm telling them what Jesus can do for you. I could still see them standing there in that yard. My old daddy's a weeping and a crying. He's a witnessing to him. I didn't even know what being saved was. But I knew whatever Frankie had, it was real. Because he wasn't the same Frankie that I had seen before. Six months later, you know what happened? Marcel, he, he got called to preach. She wasn't even saved. God called him to preach. And six months later, Marcel come down that aisle. She said, I want what my husband's got. Yeah. Amen. Y'all still believe that tonight? Amen. I believe it tonight. I've seen God take the broken pieces and the broken lives. I've seen God take people that cursed His name and didn't want to hear His name. I've seen the power of God oh, reach down and get a hold of their souls. Hallelujah. Woo! I've seen what God can do. 
I've seen him woo an old sinner to the cross. Saying, come on. I'll change your life if you'll come. Yes. And we've seen them stumble under a load of old time conviction. And God saved their soul. Like he did on the bumper of that old car that night. Hallelujah. I wish I could have been there. Amen. Made an altar out of a bumper of a Volkswagen. And got born in the family of God. Y'all believe that tonight? That's God. Them college prayer meetings where they'd fill the house and invade them sinners and they couldn't go nowhere. Hem them up and preach to them and pray the power of God on their souls. And they couldn't do nothing but surrender. It's what we need again. And I'm telling you, friend, God hadn't changed one bit. There's a lot of people playing church. You're going to have to get past yourself tonight. If you want a real burden, let's stand. Brother David's going to sing. If you need to come, would you obey God tonight?